Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. London, the 1st of September, 1888. A woman's body is laid out on a slab at the old Montague Street mortuary. A young man has come to identify the body through his tears. It is his mother, who was found lying dead in the middle of the night two days earlier on the cobbled street of Bucks Row, one of the seedy reeking passages around Whitechapel. Her killer strangled her. Then, in a fit of striking brutality, slit her throat right down to her vertebrae before slicing deeply into her stomach. At any other time, the murdered woman, a homeless prostitute, would have had no more than half a column in the tabloids before decomposing away to general indifference. The case would have been quickly closed. Mary Ann Nichols, though, would not be soon forgotten. She will be forever remembered as the first victim of Jack the Ripper. The murderer, a nightmare for Victorian England, remains the most famous serial killer in history, more than 130 years after his crimes. Jack the Ripper, though, is a faceless killer. Despite the countless legends he's inspired, the mystery of his identity has never been solved. You're listening to Echoes of History, Behind the Legends, the podcast that tells you the true stories of some of history's most legendary heroes. As the Assassin's Creed franchise turns 15, travel back through 2,500 years of history to meet the men and women whose destiny led them to greatness. Uncover their stories and bring their legends back to life. Episode 3 Jack the Ripper. At the end of the 19th century, London was leading the world. The capital city of the empire on which the sun never sets dominated the global economy. Its four million inhabitants made it the most populous city on the planet. To the west, in affluent neighborhoods like Piccadilly Circus, the ruling classes flaunted their wealth. The East End, however, was at the opposite end of the spectrum, where slums were rife with those the prosperous empire refused to touch. Unemployed, prostitutes, young criminals, and penniless immigrants, all of whom survived amid the utter indifference of high society. Their misery blended into the thick, 
polluted London fog. It took a series of sordid murders, including that of poor Mary Ann Nichols, for the light to shine all the way down here. From Bucks Row, where the first body was found, Hanbury Street is just a few minutes walk away. Annie Chapman, 48, was one of the regular faces wandering this poorly lit street as soon as night fell. For a few pence, the price of a trick, she could treat herself to a warm potato or spend the night in a pauper's shelter. On the 8th of September, 1888, her lifeless body was found at dawn by a local resident at number 29 Hanbury Street, lying in the backyard of a shabby block of flats. Like the first victim, her throat had been cut and she'd been viciously mutilated. The killer took his sadism further this time though. Not satisfied with taking her intestines, he also removed her vagina, uterus, and bladder. Scotland Yard assigned several of its officers to the area, but the investigation led nowhere. Thousands of women, each in the same state of destitution, continued to sell their bodies in the streets of Whitechapel without a care in the world. Their nonchalance was fostered by the fact that the killer disappeared for almost three weeks, until night fell on the 29th of September, when he resurfaced twice. The first body, belonging to 45-year-old Elizabeth Stride, was found in Burner Street a little after midnight. As a poor working girl, she was often seen in and around that street. Her throat was slit. But she was not mutilated. The killer must have been interrupted during his merciless ritual. Another body was then found less than an hour later. But this time, the killer seemed to have taken his time to complete his frenzied attack. The face of Catherine Eddowes, a 45-year-old drunkard, had been entirely slashed open. Her throat was cut, she was disemboweled, and her intestines were placed next to her body. The pathologist even reported that a kidney was missing. This time, Scotland Yard was on the warpath. Hundreds of police officers swarmed over the two crime scenes and patrolled tirelessly around Whitechapel, looking for even the slightest clue. Catherine Eddowes' murder was particularly intriguing. It took place in Mitre Square, a little open area just a few streets away from the city. How could the killer have committed such an atrocity in such a highly frequented area with nobody noticing a thing? The police chief, Sir Charles Warren, was determined to arrest the bloodthirsty madman who had evaded capture for almost a month. He was further irritated by the fact that the killer was openly mocking the police. 
In a letter sent on the 25th of September, 1888, the murderer boasted the following in red ink. I am down on whores, and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. He signed it, Jack the Ripper. The Daily News decided to publish the letter in its first October issue, and Scotland Yard stuck up hundreds of copies around London in the hope that someone would recognize the killer's handwriting. But rather than helping the investigation, the posters created mass hysteria. Anxiety spread, fueled by questions that were left without answers. Who was this uncatchable criminal flitting around with ghostly silence? Was he a doctor? A butcher? Or a vengeful spirit come to punish women walking the wrong path? When would he strike again? At least now, the mystery had a name. Jack the Ripper. The legend was born. All available police resources were put on the case to unmask the serial killer. Raids were organized in hovels and shelters. Thousands of people were interrogated, with their whereabouts and alibis double-checked whenever there was the slightest doubt. But the investigation made no headway. Sir Charles Warren resigned on the 10th of November, his hand forced by his minister. The night before, a fifth body had been found. After more than a month of inaction, Jack the Ripper had struck again at the very heart of Whitechapel. The tortured body of Mary Jane Kelly, a 23-year-old prostitute, was found at her home, a cramped room at 13 Miller's Court. The autopsy report was not for the faint-hearted. Deep lacerations had disfigured her she'd been disemboweled and her breasts had been cut off. Worse still, her organs had been scattered around the room. The police and the forensic pathologists were more determined than ever. More than 80 suspects were arrested, but they were all released again due to lack of evidence. As the investigation ground to a halt, the general public expressed a pressing desire to help solve the mystery. Every Tom, Dick and Harry had their own theory. For those living in affluent neighborhoods, the Ripper must have come from the slums he was torturing, as depravity leads to depravity. Jack was therefore thought to be a traveling seaman, an alcoholic laborer, a butcher, or a knacker. A fine example of the hypocritical nature of Puritanism in Victorian high society was the fact that most of these prostitutes' customers were known to have come over from the well-to-do neighborhoods in the West End. For the poor, Jack bore the face of an aristocrat. A bipolar bourgeois, he'd lead his prim and proper life during the day and satisfy his murderous impulses at night just like Stevens's Dr. Jekyll, who'd emerged just two years before the murders. This hypothesis was supported by descriptions of the killer, albeit approximate, 
given by some witnesses. The fleeing figure they described was one of an elegant man from a chic area wearing a top hat and a leather jacket finished off with a cape. Despite the description, time continued to pass in London and the mystery deepened. In 1892, Scotland Yard admitted defeat. Four years of investigations had led nowhere useful and no further victims had been found. Had Jack the Ripper committed suicide? Was he a foreigner who'd moved on? With the case closed, these questions would never be answered. But the legend lived on. Although Scotland Yard's case would remain forever unsolved, self-proclaimed investigators, some rather dishonest, regularly claimed to have finally solved the mystery. The end result is a long list of suspects covering no less than 333 names, including celebrities such as Alice in Wonderland author Lewis Carroll, and even Richard Mansfield, the actor who played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde at the theatre. One of the wildest theories was that put forward by Dr. Thomas Stowell in 1970. Despite having zero evidence, he claimed that the Whitechapel murderer was a member of the upper echelons of English aristocracy, suffering with syphilis and madness. He claimed that the killer was committed to an asylum by his family in an attempt to protect him from the police after the first four murders, before he escaped to kill Mary Jane Kelly, the final victim. Although he did not give a name, Stowell insinuated that it was the Duke of Clarence, an heir to the throne who died young in 1892, aged just 28, and for whom the rumour mill had already been running unfounded for a while. But this accusation was quickly refuted, as the young Duke was not in London at the time of the murders. Stowell agreed to withdraw his accusation and publicly apologised in a letter to the Times on the 5th of November 1970. The paper published his letter four days later, but in an incredible twist of fate, Stowell died the night before. This coincidence ensured that his speculation lived on in the minds of conspiracy theorists. Some even openly claimed that he was silenced. More recently, on the 6th of September 2014, the Daily Mail stated it had a world exclusive to reveal Jack the Ripper's true identity. It all started with Russell Edwards a rich property developer who acquired a shawl said to have belonged to Catherine Eddowes, the fourth victim at an auction. Edwards had it examined by a molecular biology expert who found traces of semen on the fabric. The recovered DNA was then compared to that of one of the suspects taken from a distant descendant. This analysis purportedly revealed that Jack the Ripper was none other than Aaron Kosminski, a young Polish-Jewish barber who lived in Whitechapel. The news caused a huge commotion until famous genetic researchers lambasted the method used by their colleague. 
Jack the Ripper specialists, known as Ripperologists since the 1970s, have also been debating another point – the killer's confession letter. The most serious of them claimed that it was fake, invented by one Frederick Best, a journalist at the Star. This would make Jack the Ripper a pure fabrication, the best ever created to boost newspaper sales. Whether true or false, the Star saw its sales multiplied tenfold to reach 200,000 issues daily thanks to this series of crimes. Even today, Jack the Ripper is good for business. As a true modern legend, the serial killer has been a source of inspiration for literature and cinema, musicals and, of course, Halloween costumes. Each new piece offers its own interpretation of his legend. In the game Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Jack the Ripper is reinvented as a prince of crime in London. The game's heroine stalks him tirelessly, ultimately killing him. Whether as part of a game or a wild theory, the quest to determine Jack the Ripper's identity continues to fascinate the masses. It's as if we absolutely need to put a name to these crimes in order to lay his ghost to rest. Do we really want to solve the case? Because in order for the legend to persist, we need to believe that Jack the Ripper could have been anyone. Thanks for listening to Echoes of History Behind the Legends, a Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.